Today's reading is from Nehemiah 8, uh, verses 1 to 10. And it reads, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces on the ground. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, uh, church. All right, come on now. Good morning. It's been 17 months. Look, what's up? Hey, we are here. I am uh, thrilled uh, to be here with you all on behalf of the elders of Christ City Church, on behalf of our pastor of leadership and spiritual formation, Justin Fung, on behalf of our uh, minister of uh, youth and families and community outreach, Nikki Wiggins, who is laid up on a beach in Costa Rica right now. But I know she's watching, so Nikki, I'm shouting out to you. Uh, on behalf of Andrea, myself, Lisa, Oh, man, see, if I lose my notes, we're going to be here all day. Um, thank you for, for coming out. Thank you for, uh, for being here, for taking the precautions for uh, us to be able to, to gather today. I, I, do, um, I am excited about us here, and I do, uh, I do want, uh, I want to keep my, my comments brief, but I do believe that there's a, a word that I sense that the Spirit wants us to know this morning. And I want to begin with this main point that I think is the last point in the passage that Lisa read. And the main idea, the one point that I have uh, today is for us to hold joy. And that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If there's anything that I want us to know, if there's something that I want us to remember, or some admonition that I want us to sit under this morning, it's that point, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I think that the reason is because we need to, we've come into this spot, we've got to hold joy, we have to, we have to rest in joy, we have to remember joy, we have to strengthen joy and delight in joy because the thing is, is that joy can atrophy. Coming through a season like the one that we've just come through, joy can, can atrophy. Atrophy is a, is a medical term. Uh, it uh, is describing when tissues begin to deteriorate because of neglect and underuse. It doesn't happen immediately. It takes a little bit of time, but, but things can atrophy. Um, I was sitting up at the house, COVID, pandemic. I wasn't moving around much. Uh, and, you know, 
I just things were happening. Atrophy was happening. My wife got an idea that we should run a race, one of these a Tough Mudder in October. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm ready. We went on this walk. We were walking around. Uh, we did a walk-run. You, know, you can't just jump out all at once. So we did a walk-run around the Anacostia. And we were with some friends. And there was a, a concrete uh, block. And they said, let's do a box jump. I said, what's a box jump? They said, well, you just stand in front of it and then just jump on top. They showed me what it was. I said, bet. I stood in front of man. I jumped on that. I think my kneecap shot out of my knees, man. It was something had not that used to. Now, look, I wrestled like in college, which was 25 years ago. But there was something that had atrophied a tissue, a tendon, a muscle. I was like, yo, but I played it off. I jumped back down and walked off away from the group because I didn't want them to see me just like right in the world had just happened because things can atrophy if they are neglected, if they're underused. And I think that as we've come through this season, that our joy has atrophied. And there's a, a thousand reasons why this has happened. I was talking with a brother just the other day that shared with me that he's lost 12 friends and family members to COVID in these past year. There's an atrophy of our joy and it's reasonable. It, I, we understand that hope has been eroded and violence erupted and all of it is a catalyzing a slow 17-month deterioration of joy. And as we emerge from this pandemic trauma, what I think God is saying to us in this moment is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Amen. The thing is that I also want us to know is that muscles can be re-strengthened. The tissues that have become weak they can find their fortitude again. And joy can regain resolve even in the midst of mourning. And so this morning, let us look at Nehemiah 8 verses 1 through 10 and see what was the context of God saying to the people in that place, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're able, open to Nehemiah 8. If I'm able, I've got one hand here, yo. My man. Amen. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, in our case it would be 17 months, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who... Well, we're able to understand. It's verse 3. He read aloud from daybreak till noon. We won't be here that long. As he faced the square day, man. Before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and the others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The context that's here in this book of Ezra is they have just come out of a 70-year exile. Israel had been defeated by the Babylonian kingdom and many of those that were in Israel and Jerusalem at the time, they had they'd been enslaved and they had been carried into uh, exile in Babylon. Many Israelites, they were removed from their homeland and they were forced to walk their own ancient version of the Trail of Tears and oppressed by a foreign occupying empire and conscripted into a foreign occupying country and culture. Practically what it meant is that the people that they had been separated from one another for decades, for, for generations. 
They were unable to join with those that they loved and they were unable to join in a place that they cared about and that was meaningful for them. They had been taken captive by forces that were greater than themselves. But yeah, the, the curious thing, by the way, was that when they were in exile, they, they still clung to the rhythms and the rituals of their faith. They kept the rhythms of the faith even in the midst of exile. They, they feasted and fasted. They feasted in anticipation of the day when the Lord would create a great banquet table around which everybody could gather. And so they feasted in the midst of exile and they fasted as well. They fasted in order to remember that even in the midst of lack, that God is sufficient in that place. They kept the rhythm of Sabbath keeping. They knew that God meets them in their rest and reminds them that he is their sustainer. They continued the rhythm of caring for the poor as a witness against economic and political empires that grind down the poor. They kept that practice up in the exile. They cared for their city in anticipation of the new city of God in which all that is broken and undone will be healed and made right. And so they kept that rhythm too and they prayed. In the midst of exile, they kept these rhythms of faith past uh, months, uh, you know, like a lot of folks, our kids have been distance learning. Been learning from home on a computer. Learning from home on a computer. <laughs> and we talked about it, you know, when the school year started, I said, hey, listen here, guys, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn perseverance. If we get some facts and figures, praise God, but we're going to learn perseverance and we're going to keep to our rhythms. We don't know how long it's going to last, but we're going to stick to the rhythm because it won't last forever. In Nehemiah 8, Ezra, the, the priest, he, he leads them back to Jerusalem. In the book of Ezra, Ezra that uh, precedes Nehemiah, and Ezra and Nehemiah together, they begin leading the people in revival and renewal, renewal for their souls and, reno and, and, and uh, revival for the sake of their souls and renewal for the sake of their city. One of the first things that they did when they returned from exile, they, they, they gathered. In Nehemiah 8.1, the phrase is that all the people came together. So they gathered. When they gathered, there was a couple of things that they did when they got into that place. First, they, they remembered and they responded. Again, we'll take another quick look at the text. Verse 3, he read aloud and all the people listened attentively to the book. And jumping down to verse 5, Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. That's not why I'm on a platform at this point. And he opened it and all the people stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted hands and responded, Amen. Amen. And they bowed down, they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They gathered in that place to, to remember and to respond. They, they, they remembered, Ezra opened the scriptures and 
They remembered the story of God's salvation. They, 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 they gathered there so that they could remember God's promises. They retold the story of God's liberation. They reminded one another that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they remembered the God who keeps promises, just as we've sung, the God who keeps promises to Abraham. They, they remembered the God of Joseph who provided for them during great famine. They, they remembered the story of Moses who, you, who God used to liberate them from the enslavement in Egypt. They, they remembered the God who provided for them with quail and manna in the wilderness and led them to the land of promise. And they remembered the God of David who fought for them against enemies, even those that were giants. And they remembered the God of their ancestors, even as they lived in an exiled land of foreigners. They gathered to remember, and this is precisely why we gather virtually and in person to remember the work of God, chiefly the work that God did through the person and work of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection. We remember through the scriptures and through song and prayer and communion and in small groups, virtual and in person, through service to the community because it is all signs and signposts and echoes of the love of God that God extends to humanity through Christ and his sacrifice through his resurrection and his ushering in a new life for those that follow him and a new kingdom marked by grace and mercy and love and justice. That's why Ezra read the scriptures so that we might remember. Now listen, let me be clear. I'm not Ezra. You are. KJ is when he stood up here and read passages out of Revelation and out of Psalm. Darren is when she came and read our profession of faith out of Lamentations 3. Easy is when he came up here and led us in a prayer out of Matthew 6. Kirsten Nasser is when she reminds us to put our faith in Jesus. You are Ezra. We are Ezra reminding one another of God's faithfulness to one another. This is why we have so many voices in our service, so that we might remind us, just as Ezra reminded the saints gathered with him, that our God is a God of liberation and salvation. They didn't just remember, though. They responded. Nehemiah 6 says that they, they lifted their hands and they, they bowed down uh, their faces to the ground. They responded in worship to the God that they had heard about. They listened again to the good news of God, to the gospel, and it stirred their souls and it required a, a bodily response. They, they had to change their posture. They weren't sure. They were like, up, down, all the spaces, because God is an amazing and majestic God. They had to stand up. They lied down. They had to move. Listen, Christ City, the truth of it is, we hadn't historically been church that moves much in worship, but I pray that in this new season, God will change that so that we can be captivated by a vision and a memory of God's greatness that compels us to respond in worship. It stirs us and it moves us. It alters our souls and it ought to alter our bodies. I'll tell you a secret. Not a secret. I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to confess. There's no secrets here. I, um, I'm scared of heights. I think I might have mentioned this before. I can't stand them. I can't. The kids on the, up there, I can't even look over there because I get nervous. Anytime, I can't, my kids can't change a light bulb without me getting sweaty. I, I don't. I don't. I always have. And I think I, my mom is scared of heights. Maybe I don't know if phobias are genetic, but I just I can't. I don't. I don't like it. But I remember the first time that I saw the, the Grand Canyon. I was driving out to. Um, I was moving out west, and I'd always heard, you know, the Grand Canyon is one of those places that actually doesn't disappoint. You know, some places you talk them all up, but when you get there, you're like, it's okay. It's 
I always heard Grand Canyon wasn't that place. And I remember pulling in. You just see the the colors of copper and then as the sun set it turned to purple and there was a glow and a brilliance to it that just attracted me to it and I don't know what happened but my mom's got a picture of me sitting on a ledge with my feet dangling off and she's freaking out because she like I told she's scared of heights too but fear had to give way to awe in that moment and, and I just stood there and just stirred it affected my body it affected my emotions and I think when we capture a vision of God and His goodness and glory and His faithfulness, that it stirs our souls and it affects our bodies. When they gathered, they, they remembered. And it gave way to awe. A couple weeks ago, I was working um, with some folks here at Christ City on a research project. And uh, we were designing it and I had to get some photographs for the brochure we were putting together. And so I was scrolling through pictures. And there was a folder in uh, one of the drives and it just said baptisms and I just started going through it. And I just, I just remember seeing Sarah Bell baptizing her daughter. I remember baptizing Cohen's feet came up. I think my man did like a 360 in the baptistry and it just everybody was wet and nobody cared. I remember baptizing Ife and Angel on the same day. Where Justin and I baptized uh, Chuck Lamar and he wouldn't go all the way down. I had to give him the forearm to make sure we got the whole thing <laughs> baptized. And each and every person who had come to the place of becoming overwhelmed by the story of God's salvation. And they said, I'm placing my faith there. And it affected their souls and it affected their bodies. You see, when the saints gathered in that first moment after exile, they remembered and they responded. But there was one other thing that they did. They feasted. They feasted. 